is groot of hij is klein, hij is moedig of wat bang, hij is arm of misschien is hij wel rijk. Het is een man met een gezin of een kind van 16 jaar, in soldatenpak is iedereen gelijk. Hij vocht vroeger met een speer of hij schoot met pijl en boog, tegenwoordig staat hij met raketten klaar. Het is altijd zo geweest, het zal altijd wel zo zijn, want soldaten zijn er meer dan duizend jaar. Het is misschien een katholiek of wellicht een protestant, het is een hindoe, een boeddhist of wel een jood. Ook al is hij atheïst of een zeer gelovig mens, op bevel schiet hij gerust een ander dood. Het is een felle communist of een echte democraat. Hij is blank of bruin of hij is geel of zwart. Wat voor huidskleur hij ook heeft, hij is zomaar een soldaat. Die een moeder heeft en ook een kloppend hart. Hij is Rus of Canadees, hij is Fransman, Vietnamees. Hij is Oost of West van de Berlijnse muur. Wat voor nationaliteit deze frontsoldaat ook heeft. Altijd moet hij voor zijn vaderland door het vuur. Hij is zomaar een soldaat, krijgt zijn orders, doet zijn plicht. Hij zal vechten hier en daar en overal. Waarom zijn we ziende blind? Want wie nadenkt, die beseft. Dit is niet de weg die vrede brengen zal. Good evening, you're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your tech for today, so you know who to blame when something wrong happens. <laughs> as, as usual, this is Student Radio Maastricht. And that was the song Zomar en Soldat by Don Mercedes. From it. it was his second single from 1965. So I'm guessing the topic is becoming quite clear now because starting with uh, 60s songs, post of uh, Vietnam War songs. And yeah, in the studio today is uh, some, some very, very interesting guests. Uh, could you please introduce yourselves? Ladies first. Uh, so hi, my name is Elisa Wojcik. It's my first time on the radio, so I'm really excited for today. And I'm joined by Nicodem. So if you would like to introduce yourself quickly and where do we come from? Hello, everybody. My name is Nikodem Białkowski. Uh, we both come from ECA Maastricht, European Careers Association Maastricht. It's a student association that was founded one and a half years ago um, by me and two other fellow Polish people. <laughs> um, we unite like-minded people and students specifically that would like to pursue a career within the European institutions and the EU bubble in general. Um, and yeah, we were set up one and a half years ago. We've grown a little bit. <laughs> I think people like us as well because we have over 200 members. Um, and yeah, we organize events. We organize regular meetings, bi-weekly meetings for people to get to know the EU a little bit more and also enhance their skills specifically <laughs> relating to career. We also put a lot of emphasis on networking and spreading the EU values across Europe since we're in the heart of Europe, which is Maastricht. Perfect. And are you are you also studying in Maastricht? Yes, we both study in Maastricht. I study European studies. Elisa. Yeah, and I study European law. And in the ECA, I'm also the head of our Blue and Yellow blog that f is a platform for students, by students, and we focus on providing the news outside of EU bubble and bringing them closer to the students, 
We have a lot of career insights and interviews on our blog, so if you would like to check us out, that would be great. And today we will be talking about the importance of media in the context of Russian invasion in Ukraine, which is a very important and I think very current topic right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Really, really glad to have you here. And yeah, I mean, in a way, we are also part of the media. So I'm also yeah. very curious to hear what what is our role indeed. Um, so I think that's that's um, a nice premise for, for hosting the European Careers Association for, for media and journalism, right? Or correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, before we, we jump into the topic, shall we, um, shall we get on to, the, to our second track? Yes. This one is a very, very popular one. Uh, I'll let you enjoy the song for now. Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, doing the tech for today. And with us in the studio today is Nico. Hello. And Elisa. Yes, yes, Elisa. Elisa, (laughs) perfect. And the song you just listened to was Communication Breakdown from Led Zeppelin from their 1969 album with uh, Jimmy Page on lead, John Paul Jones on bass and Robert Plant on vocals. We are not here to talk about the songs that we're talking to talk about um, journalism, media in the time of, um, well, especially in context of Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, so please, uh, 
the stage is the stage is yours. <laughs> you you wanted to talk about um, yeah uh, misinformation or in the age of information. Yes, so we have a lot to talk about today, I think. And when when we first knew that we we're gonna come here to this radio, this was the <clears throat> this was the first topic that came to my mind because we're both somehow more or less involved in journalism and media, and this is something that is going on currently. And especially since we're both Polish, it's the war is something that is currently in the back of our minds. I feel so. The first thing that we would like to talk about is. Why is media so important in times of crisis and in times of war? Because the first thing that comes to mind is that maybe it's just a way of spreading information and the most important thing right now would be to stop the war, but it actually plays a huge role in the current situation. So one thing is obviously to avoid misinformation and also panic among people because when the media is not reliable, then we don't get the good information then people can share especially now on Instagram on Facebook people share without double checking if that information is actually true so what do you think about that Nico I believe that especially at the very beginning of the invasion um, it's very visible that stopping the panic among the people is the most important thing um, of course this is a very difficult times for all of us this is very um, you know you become sad you become stressed you don't know how to cope with this sort of situation because you've probably never been in such a situation like this and then at the same time you know it's very difficult also mentally to cope with this so spreading the the truth and spreading the actual facts instead of misinforming the population is the most important step to stopping people from panicking that's why media and journalists and uh, anything related to media and, and conveying information is the most important part. So we also as young people and, and, and you know, woke people, everyone needs to know exactly how to prevent themselves from becoming biased. I think that's the most important part in this as well. Yeah. No, I'm also, it's, it's also interesting times we live in, right? I mean, we are just out of uh, two years or two, two years and odd of, of COVID lockdowns. Again, there was a lot of misinformation. Again, there was media could have, uh, did play a key role. And, yeah. and now with, with the war in Ukraine. Uh, indeed, indeed. Um, it, it, does, it does help to calm down in a way, but I also feel indeed there's also like... Um, like certain form of censorship in certain uh, mm. ways. If you look at uh, RT, that's if I understand correctly, is banned in Europe now. So this is Russia today. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we yeah, are just curious if you have thoughts on that. Well, we were actually going to talk about censorship and what happens if free media are banned in the next section of the today's edition. So sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe uh, we can yeah. keep that then. Yeah, we're looking forward, <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely. And yeah. I would also like to underline yeah. how important it is that uh, not only reliable information is spread now, but also positive information. Because, of course, the situation is far from positive, but still, in these hard times, for example, some young people go on social media to kind of disconnect from reality or to just chill for a bit. And if they open Instagram and see it flooded with negative information that also really influences the the mood, the mental health even, I would say. So, for example, seeing some positive information of what's happening or how many people have been rescued, how open the society is to help them right now, is really uplifting and it really gives, at least me, the hope that the situation can end soon and that 
at least people are, th- are there to help each other, which is not as visible in normal times, I would say. It's not so obvious. And now it, it just feels really good to see that the people are there for each other. And I think the media plays a huge role in it because how else would we know, for example, here in the Netherlands, that there is such a huge mobilization in Poland right now with helping the Ukrainian refugees. And I feel like the media plays a huge role in that as well. It really is about the balance, is it not? When you yeah. when you think yeah. of the fact that for the past more than two years we have been stuck at home most of the time, and mm. of course usually spending time on social media as well, which has become such as such an inseparable part of our lives at this point. And you know, mentally people have become drained because of the fact that they couldn't really do the activities, they yeah. couldn't perform the activities they used to, and then now coming into yet another hard time, mm. which is what just arguably even even worse especially for ukraine of course and yeah. this is something that we need to bear in mind that notifying people about the crisis and notifying people about what's going on there you know with 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 media coverage as well is very important but yeah. in order to have the balance for people to not panic and for people to still you know cope with this mentally and cope with this properly the positive spread of information should also be there you know and it really is heartwarming seeing what, what Polish people do, especially when it comes to the border. But not only Polish people, of course, it's, it's yeah. a whole world, it's a whole of Europe. But from our own perspective, because we're both Polish, of course, the yeah. most... And we're bordering Ukraine. Yeah, and so. we're bordering Ukraine. And, and, and the, most inform- the most information that we probably leave is going to be in Polish because we see what's happening, mm-hmm. also talking to our families. Yeah. And the whole sort of mobilization of, of the Polish community, helping them, this is something that's really heartwarming to see. And mm-hmm. spreading this sort of positivity yeah, yeah. Is, is exactly what's we should be doing and also you know hearing from ukrainian friends of ours this is something mm. that they really really appreciate and they're very thankful for this and it's mm. not something that, that should be you know taken and you know that we are the ones helping that's not the point the point no. is that we are doing the correct thing that everyone else would have done for us and mm. that's basically what we must focus on mm. right now super cool it is always yeah. about balance isn't it no absolutely absolutely no i do sometimes wonder when i like even even from uh, say student radio's point of view so when our mm-hmm. audience are listening sure these are grim times for for people living in kiev or in, in ukraine yeah. in general and if you're a refugee yeah it's needless to say it it's terrible times um but at the same time then yeah like expressing a certain emotion like like you meant said about positivity and hope um Sometimes I also feel that it could it could go spill the other way where people express hate towards, say, Putin. Yeah, um, that's definitely true. Yeah, so yeah, to me it's also a bit of, like you said, it, uh, maybe there should be a better balance uh, in that respect. Yeah. But, okay. It's, it's yeah. hard to calculate exactly how much should be there, how much should not be there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel like some of the profiles that I follow at least are really doing a great job trying to uplift the people while still spreading information to help them. And if you want to hear more about actual situation in Poland and how we are coping with this and how we are helping, um, then just stay on with us later on because we're going to talk about it from the perspective of really Polish people. Very much, very much looking forward to <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we'd also indeed like... Uh, hinted earlier yeah. talk a little bit about censorship also something that i'm super interested in by the way it's a good time to to mention a short disclaimer that all the views expressed in these shows are our personal opinions and do not reflect views of rtv or srm or any other organization um easy as well uh, easy as well yes. yeah, there you go <laughs> we do have a lawyer in the studio so <laughs> yeah. it's kind of useful but um i think it's time to um to listen to another track this one is called another love by tom 
Odell. Yes. Thank you very much for choosing it and enjoy.
was Another Love by Tom O'Dell uh, from his debut extended play Songs for Another Love released in 2012 you're listening to student, uh, oh, oh, by the way his <laughs> from, from his studio album called uh, Long Way Down so you're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on 107.5 FM and uh, today's topic is the role of media uh, during um, in the context of the Ukrainian war yeah so I want to talk about a bit about the role of this particular song in the Ukrainian war now because this song Another Love by Tom O'Dell personally one of my favorite artists ever has become a proper anthem of the resistance to the Russian aggression um this song was used as a background to many videos showing Ukraine pre-war and now that you can find for example on TikTok or on Instagram or literally everywhere on the internet comparing the pretty and and I think underappreciated country before to the sad after that is happening now. And this song was actually played live by Tom Odell at the train station in Bucharest in Romania to comfort the arriving refugees. And it was obviously received with great love and affection and people just waved the Ukrainian flags and just hugged him and appreciate, appreciated the support. And Tom Odell himself is actually involved in a lot of initiatives to help the people now so i think it is it was the first song that came to my mind that should be played in this audition today to to show also that not only the people like us help the ukrainian refugees but also artists and people on a higher level engage in in the situation that is happening now amazing i didn't know that oh wow yeah it's really comforting to know as well that is super cool that is that that is a really good reason to pick a song i have to say yeah very very, very touching yes uh but yeah getting back indeed mm-hmm. to our topic of the of, of the free media um indeed now we are slowly slipping into into the absence of free free media what happens what happens then uh, yeah so what happens if free media are banned maybe at the beginning and on the first look, it seems like it's not a big deal because you can find information somehow, obviously. But actually, if free media, independent media is banned, then you, you really can't. You really can't find reliable information and you just believe what you are told or you are showed. And Russia now is a perfect example of of this, the propaganda that's happening here and the lack of awareness of real situation and the amount of really educated, intelligent people that really believe that it's Ukraine that attacked Russia, Russia and that Russia now has to be, um, defend itself. It's it's really shocking for me because I, I or like my fellow students would assume that, yeah, even if media like TV or radio is banned, then you can still like find something on the internet. But with Instagram recently being banned in Russia or other reliable pages and just the immense control that is happening there, like you really can't. And how else are you going to inform yourself about the situation then? Are you going to travel to see with your own eyes or how how can you do it then? You can. Yeah. You can. You can, can, you can do that. And that's the, the other baffling thing about, for example, Instagram being banned within Russia is the fact that, you know, before that people in Russia would use this as a, as a platform, of course, for, well, for, for expressing themselves yeah. and just like everyone else. But the, the, the most striking thing was that I, I recently saw a video when there was a, so some sort of a Russian influencer crying that she won't be able to either make money or yeah. do whatever that she do can on like Instagram, and it's yeah, yeah promote yeah. her products yeah. and stuff as like that. She, I as also if she didn't it. realize why this is happening. And yeah. th- this was this was striking to me. You know that she should know by now why this is happening. Yeah. You know yeah. why the response is the way it is. 
So that was striking to me. Yeah, that is incredible. No, I I, I also uh, saw this story about this girl who couldn't continue basically her, her yeah. work. Her, I, I think it it became quite viral, and she didn't even say a word about Ukraine. She was just focusing so much on herself and on on the fact that Instagram is banned. What are the influencers gonna do now? And like that's it. But that's that was the gist of the problem to her. But of course, it's not. As if people True. didn't realize the gravity of, of of the issue, yeah. as if they were living in you know in a no man's land. Yeah, you know, yeah. So that's what happens when free media are banned. Then exactly, I guess it, exactly it's really precisely. terrifying. It's really terrifying. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I mean, oh, it's 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 such a such a wide topic, right? I mean, now I'm thinking about um, the role of well, let's say within coast free media in the US during Trump elections or like um, also in India. Now, one of the points I wanted to make is that luckily in Europe, we do not have what we call in India as uh, mixed mixed language media. So (laughs) mixed language media is really tricky because in, yeah, it sounds like a nice idea where you have different languages in the same. So like say example, in our show, if we were talking and say in Polish in between, Mm. what happens is that in my opinion, like it, it really, uh, reduces the audience to like only people who understand Polish and English. Yeah. So it would also eliminate Polish people who don't understand English and the other way around. And yeah, that's sometimes, yeah, it's it's really a hurdle for me to share stuff from, from Indian media websites. It's like, yeah, my friends won't understand any mm-hmm. language in English. Uh, well, maybe French, but if they're using Hindi or any other Indian language in there. Mm. Yeah, I, if, I don't know if this is, this is a problem in, the, in Europe or like... Um, I think maybe to some extent because for example now most of the information about Ukraine that I gather is Polish and when I want to to try to tell my English speaking friends about it I'm really struggling sometimes to find the words or to to explain the situation how it is or there are some untranslatable words right that really express the gist of it but you even if you describe it somehow around in English then it's it's not the same but I think it's not that big of a problem now in Europe because a lot of people speak English or sometimes when I see a Polish piece of information that I want to share I still share it originally but then I just write a quick note in English what it's about or if it's really important I just tell the people that I want to reach in person but of course it's not always the situation but I feel like now thankfully it's not such a big problem and obstacle there's always a possibility of a loss of translation of course with, yeah. any, with any translation to any language Hawaii there's only one obstacle for me and I think for also for other people especially in the West is the fact that you know when you have Ukrainian people sharing information mm. via social media you know when I see some of my Ukrainian friends showing stuff sometimes it's in Cyrillic Mm. And yeah, that's the yeah. only obstacle that I can generally see because you can always, you know, sort of translate mm-hmm. or at least understand the gist of the sentence. But if it's in Cyrillic and I don't, I, don't, I cannot read Cyrillic, yeah, there is, that's the only thing that's an obstacle to me, you know. But yeah. luckily they also know this, I think, and, and, and this is also yeah. sometimes translated or at least shared in a different language. So, But that's also something that I think we're going to be talking in the next part when we get to, we're going to be talking about... Um, yeah, well, but the, po- the the Polish point of yeah. view in this case because it's also yeah. an issue. Cool, definitely. Cool, very much. Looking forward to it. But I think now we are slowly slipping into into our fourth track of of the, of the episode. This one is called "Another Brick in the Wall" by Pink Floyd. Enjoy. Oh, 
was another brick in the wall by Pink Floyd. A superb, superb song. It's actually mm-hmm. part two of a three-part composition from their 1979 rock opera, The Wall. It was also released as a single in, from, from the album Point Me in the Sky, 1968. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. And in the studio today is Nico. Yes, hello. And uh, Elisa. Yes, hello, everyone. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, today's topic is uh, the role of media uh, during during crisis, during war, in reference to the war in Ukraine. Yes. And um, yeah, please. Um, yes. Yeah. Now we actually want to move on to the topic that I think we are a bit of experts in, if I can say, Precisely. about media contribution in coordinating help and coordinating the donation collections in Poland, particularly because recent days have seen a real unification of Polish people, real motivation and just everyone just got their stuff together and got up and started helping. Really, you can see that so much lately. And as divided as Poland has been recently, it's really it's really heartwarming to see now because we can literally argue about every single thing. We can argue about if put milk first or cereal first. Literally any topic, there will be one pe- one person, one opinion, and that's it. But recently, just even the media in Poland that usually broadcast very, very different stuff have been just focusing on this one topic, have been focusing on spreading the information, how to help, how to help financially, how to help in action, how to help uh, if you can't leave your house or can donate money. It's it's just really heartwarming, like I said, for me to see that in these hard times, people can move aside their less important problems or their, their superficial uh, arguments and just motivate our, um, themselves to, to do what's needed, don't you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. The critique in Poland is visible everywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's also very... The, the, critique, the critique sometimes it's just overwhelming because mm. Polish people have the tendency to, to, to criticize everything there is even even though they might like possibly... Super negative and pessimistic yeah, as precisely, well. Precisely, even though there, there perhaps might be no critique at all needed for this um, specific case. And then also, the, yeah, Poland has endured uh, very uh, quite a turmoil in recent years, um, you know, regardless of the politics right now, you know, that there have been issues in Poland that... that Polish people were very disappointed with, but what it, what this situation right now that we're in shows is that it's absolutely phenomenal to see that that Polish people can really prioritize what what they're doing, and also not only Polish people, but of course the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the people with bordering with Ukraine and, and their mobilization and in, in aiding them in every way possible. And I must say that for the first time in, in quite a long time, I, yeah. I really am proud to be Polish at this point because yeah. I can see exactly that literally every single person that I know has the same sort of mindset right now of what they're supposed to be doing and they know it exactly that they should be doing this and they do that there is you know we we try to find um accommodation for 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 refugees we try to arrange transport for them there is there is there is funds there is there is millions and absolutely millions of produce at this point going towards ukraine um there's people offering job opportunities you know anything just trying to allow these people to accommodate as quickly as possible and then sort of um fit in into the society there they're, they're put forcefully into you know and polish people being usually not very welcoming at yeah. this point we're actually the, quite the opposite we're being as welcoming as possible there was a very heartwarming picture at some point 
um, circulating circulating um, in the Polish social media, and I think right now global because I saw it on some meme page or whatever it was, <laughs> of uh, a picture of a of a train station, some city in Poland with yes. with Przemysl, child yes. yeah, in Przemysl, right next to very close, a big city close to the border with with Ukraine with the. Uh, um, strollers, I yeah, think it's baby, called. Yeah, baby trolleys. Yeah, baby trolleys. That's the Polish mums left for the Ukrainian mums arriving with their newborn children. And that was, yeah. of course, more symbolic at this point because there is lots of lots of other produce being being yeah. delivered. But that just gives you know that, that just yeah. gives you the perspective of what's happening. You know, that, that they didn't even have this. Yeah, it was it was really moving because the Przemysl station was just filled with people normally, but on the picture it was like no one but just like five trolleys and like the train station behind so it was really kind of artistic you could say it was really moving and that's the kind of positive news that i think we should also be spreading because then it really it just shows you that what you're doing makes sense it makes an impact and i think that's super important in these times yeah uh, well i i have heard about this um this this um notion of like polish unity mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. indeed someone else has also mentioned um to me about uh, about about this um yeah this um this reaction from Poland mm-hmm. Polish society to to welcome the the Ukrainian refugees yeah. which is yeah definitely heartwarming and like you said media does play a very important role mm-hmm. uh, in all of this there are, there are of course as you are aware there could be concerns as well like safety concerns like especially when it comes to organizing transportation yeah, and yeah definitely. um yeah i mean it's a slippery slope from from there to say say human trafficking um but indeed, yeah. Again, I think media will play an important role in bringing out these these kind of yeah. um, unfortunate. Uh, there have been instances. There have been instances of, of of people trying to take advantage of the situation and 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 well do more harm than than than, mm. than good. However, yeah. there have been also people that would pinpoint this. Yeah, and it and was really like yeah. individual cases. Yeah. So sure, sure, sure. At least not on a massive scale. And also to underline the importance of media in this regard, also. For example, looking at the Polish influencers or just people with a lot of reach on Instagram, they literally just posted on their stories like, hey, this is needed. And five minutes later, it was organized or, hey, we need we need a baby supplies. And like 10 people replied, oh, I can donate this and this and this and this. So if you really like have a lot of contacts or just reach a lot of people, it was really within seconds that it was organized. At, at first, it was a little bit hectic, of course, because everyone wanted to help, but also you don't know, you don't want to help in a way that actually makes more trouble, for example, for sorting or donate the things that are not necessary at the moment. That's why now it's really important that the media channels and online or on TV, in the radio, they just inform the people where to donate, what to donate right now, what not to donate as well. Yeah. And just how to do it in a more coordinated manner. And also without media in this regard, I don't think it would be possible to do it on such a, such so quickly and on such an organized level. So it really does help, yeah, this, in fact. This really is unbelievable in how important social media in this in this particular yeah. instance and, and any sort of communicators have become at this point because at the very beginning, exactly what you said, the... the the logistics of, of the whole operation was was, in, was 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 gone. There was no logistic whatsoever because people just kept on donating everything. Whereas now, thanks to social media and thanks to any sort of platform that people use to communicate, you know exactly what's needed. You know exactly where to drop it off, and then you know where yeah. this is going. So it's very organized. It's very planned right now. So this is actually how it's supposed to be working from the get go. Yeah. But of course, it was impossible at that point. But that's what we're doing right now currently, and what and we're going to be doing. It, and you know it within seconds. That's also so important because, yeah. of course, I know a lot of people here, but 
to even imagine that okay this friend told another friend that it's needed and this friend reached out to me and then I know okay I need to donate this like we really don't appreciate how long it would take it would take to to uh, organize everything it's just like I open my whatsapp and I'm in like several volunteer uh, group chats yeah and it's just it's just a second within the information reaches you so that you can also see how bad, for example, banning all the free media in Russia is because they don't get that information. And even if someone knows what's really happening before that information will get to broader audience, it will take a lot of time. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And in a way, like I see that social media now is allowing people to like self-organize. And yeah, by and large, I mean, it people's like how do you call it the broader intention is by and yeah. large I, I see it, something good intentions and like yeah sure it's, it's, it's going in the right direction there are of course hurdles um, but indeed yeah I think it, it's a beautiful um, beautiful time we're living in uh, as well that uh, yeah. we're able to see this um, social media in action super nice okay um, before we go on to our last section um, a, a very very nice song again um, very important as well. Very important yeah. as well. So, here we go. Enjoy.
Student Radio Maastricht 107.5 FM. Uh, we are on the topic of the role of media during um, during the time of, let's say, crisis slash in context of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Thank you very much, uh, Eliza. Yes, thank you very on. much for having me. And Nico as well for joining. Yes, thank you so much. And yeah, please, uh, we are we are unfortunately going towards the end of our um, our hour. Yes, we are going towards the end, but I must say that it felt like one second. I feel like we both could talk so on and on and so on, agree. which means that we will definitely be back sometime. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I'm really excited. Yeah, yes. Yeah, likewise, yeah. Likewise. I think it's, it's a nice combination. Yes. <laughs> so now I think we would just sum up what we said before and just underline again and again the importance of journalism and media in these times and the huge influence that it has on mass behavior and on feeling in the society and creating the feeling of uni- unification in such hard times. Yeah, there are there are key, I think, takeaways from what we've been discussing today yes. as well. And then the most important for the audience specifically is the fact that in regards to the invasion, in regards to this, the current situation, the most important thing is not to panic. The, the yes. second most important thing is to aid as much as possible and then stay aware and spread yes. the awareness as well. And also double check the information that you see. Because... I saw so many, so many pieces of information that if I believed them, I would just panic. I don't know. It's just, it's just terrifying. Just don't believe everything that you see at the first sight. Just really double check, do your research or follow reliable sources. And then you can really stay informed while knowing how to help and while knowing how not to panic and what to do in order to make the situation better. And double checking also relates to the fact that your own mental situation, your own mental health is going to be much healthier. Yes, definitely. Knowing that mm-hmm. what you're reading and knowing that you that you know, having done your research, is the fact that it's just going to be factual, and it's not yes. go- it's not something it's so it's not hearsay. It's not something that you heard from a friend or a friend of a friend. It's something yeah. that you check yourself and you know exactly where you stand. So this is something very important for you to stay positive about this as well. You know. Yeah, and also like just reassuring that okay. I know this is true and then I know that I can do this to help and just staying kind of sane, I would say, because even though we are not now in a risk of fleeing, I would say, it still it still has a huge impact on, on the mind and on the mental health of all of us and of all my friends, for example, when I talk with them, it's just it's just natural that you meet up with people and you you start to talk about it, right? Absolutely. Of course, it's impossible yeah. not to talk yeah, about yeah. anything at this point. Yeah, no, very much so. Um, yes, but um, yeah, we, we we also often towards the end of our show have a little bit of time to to mention some some social uh, agendas, and uh, you have some interesting uh, interesting things coming up. Yes, uh, so we have a very interesting and exciting event that is organized by ECA as part of the European Year of Youth. And the event is going to be Media at the EU, Careers in European Journalism. So it's very much connected to what we've been talking about. The event is happening tomorrow, 17th of March, in the Faculty of Law in the Festsaal at 6.15 in Maastricht, obviously. So tomorrow at 6.15, you are really welcome to join us in the Faculty of Law to hear from Vlada Toma, an HR officer at Euractiv, to hear her insights on the work of journalists, um, also, Alessandro Marchetti from Rai News of Italy will join us to answer some of our questions. And I recently got an email that someone from RTV Maastricht will also be joining us to talk about importance of journalism on a more local level. So, from European to local, 
how ECA operates as well. Um, it's going to be very exciting. It's open to everyone, like I said, as it's a part of European Year of Youth. But you need to sign up through a Google form that is available on this event on Facebook in the description. So make sure to follow European Careers Association on Facebook to check the event media at the EU Careers in European Journalism tomorrow at 6.15 and to join us for a very exciting discussion. Interesting, very interesting, and like yes. uh, like like I said earlier on, I think it's a beautiful match. Um, we we are of course part of the media landscape, as, yes. Um, even though we are a small student organization, and yeah, I mean it, it. It really doesn't get any better when you when you have an event like this where you have even well, uh, bigger stations like RTV Maastricht. Uh, thank you very much, by the way, for letting us use your studios at uh, at Bankerstraat. And um, before we go, yeah, uh, I would also like to very much thank uh, Lindsay for one of uh, one of our fans for uh, for suggesting the the that song. So quick shout out! <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. And um, yeah, I think uh, we we are slowly slipping into the next song. Yes, we have, we're uh, slowly yeah. slipping into the next song. Before we slip into the next song, if I may, um, I think on behalf Please. of Elise, I would also like to yes. cordially say a huge thank you to the for the opportunity that we, you were given, that we were given. Um, the chance for a dialogue was, was surely prolific and, and it was very nice to be here. It's a very nice mm -hmm. experience for all of us and yeah. hopefully see you perhaps some, sometime yes. in the future. And thank you, Nicole. It was really nice to talk to you and yeah, share our reviews. Likewise, and yes, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and yeah, the, the, the last song I think that we have for tonight, um, well, it's something very close to any Eastern person as well. It's, yeah. it's going to be Wind of Change. It's a song about the political changes in the 80s and 90s, especially in the USSR. And I think a very nice symbolic song to, to close our discussion for tonight. So. Yes. yes, so please enjoy Wind of Change by the Scorpions from their 11th studio album Crazy World.
Stop. 